morning, everyone. Welcome to First Christian Church. For those who are online, very glad to have you with us. Those who are in the East Auditorium, good to see you as well. And uh, all of you are gathered here today on this snowy day, first day of the new year. It's really good to be here. Uh, maybe I should introduce myself in case we've not met before. My name is Wayne. I'm one of the pastors here, and i um, very glad you're with us. As a matter of fact, I've been the pastor here a while now. It was on January 2nd of 1994 was my first sermon that I ever preached here. So today's an anniversary, so uh, glad to have you with us. That's, that, that wasn't, that wasn't an, an appeal for applause, just to say I've been around for a while, and so I know a few, few, I know a few of you, but anyway, it's good to be here today. And uh, we're going to look at Scripture. The Scripture that we just read in Scripture a few minutes ago, as a matter of fact, Psalm 103. If you turn there, maybe grab a pew Bible if you're in the West Auditorium. If you're, uh, if you're online, uh, Psalm 103, you'll find there's a tab on, on the screen there that you will give you some directions how to find a Psalm 103, or maybe you just want to look at it on your smartphone altogether, all right? So Psalm 103, we're going to look at the first five verses particularly, some of which we've already used in terms of a responsive reading. And uh, today, of course, uh, this weekend is the weekend for New Year's resolutions. We're trying to think about what does the New Year hold. You know, things like better behaviors and um, weight loss. That's obviously one that some people are interested in. Or um, financial matters. I want to get my financial house in order. Or here's one that some of you are thinking about. You've got all that stuff stored in boxes in the basement or in the shed outside. And you go, I don't want to have them this time next year. I'm going to organize them all this year, right? So what resolutions do you have for 2022? I, I understand one woman thinking about her new, ye- new year has decided that uh, she's told her friend that she's going to stop putting her foot in her mouth quite so often. This is what she says. New year's resolution is to stop putting my foot in my mouth all the time. I'll bet yours is losing weight, Correct. Now, I need to say, I, I tried to figure out who it is, who that, who that uh, comic uh, illustrator is, and I can't figure that out. I looked and looked at that, but whoever owns the copyright for that, thank you. <laughs> so two stories came across my desk this week that um, caught my attention. And at first glance, you might think, well, there's not much to them, at least that warrant message, uh, a, a, a mention in a message in a sermon But I want you to figure out if there's a little bit more to the story as I give you both of these stories today. The first one uh, is an obituary. And the reason that these things come across my desk is not because people send them to me per se, but I'm always looking for radio material. So this is uh, one of the things that might have come up in the radio. The first one is an obituary for Edward Wilson. Edward Wilson was an ant man, A-N-T, yes, you heard me, an ant man. You heard correctly. He, he, he studied ant colonies of all sorts. Now, that, bi- that specialty of biology is called mere mycology, mere mycology, and uh, the study of ants. One of the questions I ask interviewees on the uh, radio from time to time, if I've got a guest that I'm interviewing, it's a great st- question that kind of gets at people. Uh, you learn a little bit that they wouldn't otherwise normally uh, sort of uh, reflect on or reveal, if you will. I'll say to people, so when you were in the fourth grade sitting in, say, Miss Hogan's class, you're 10 years old. What did you want to be when you were 10 years old? What did you want to be when you grew grew up? And I doubt that amongst the list of things that people would say, I want to be this when I grow up, is very few people would say, I am going to be 
an expert on myrmecology, on the study of ants. That's probably not what is on most of our radar at 10 years of age, but for Edward Wilson, apparently, uh, it was pretty specific because um, he became known as the ant man. He was called the world's leading expert, obviously, till he died a week and a half ago. He's no longer the leading expert. He was. But he, he would, um, as a matter of fact, when he was a teenager, he was so into this that when he was a teenager growing up in Alabama, he discovered a series, a species of ants that shouldn't be in North America. They're known as fire ants. And he was the first person to say, this group of ants don't belong here yet. Here we have them in Alabama. They've been imported somehow or other from South America, where now they're the scourge in many states across our country. And so he would watch ants. He'd watch them build their nests. He'd watch them reproduce what they would eat. And he even watched particularly how they would kill their enemies. A smart man. And the Times of Israel puts him this way. The professor and two-time Pulitzer Prize winning author. Now think about this. This guy won Pulitzer Prizes writing about ants. It's got to be pretty good, right? It'll be pretty good. If you're, if you're winning a prize because of the way in which you write about ants. He first gained widespread attention for his 1975 book in which he spelled out evidence. This is the, this is the kicker where he spelled out evidence between genetics and human behavior, saying that your genetics impact your human behavior. And he learned all this from looking at ants. And that created a fire of controversy because activists and fellow academics then said, well, that, so in other words, if a person is a racist, they're going to stay a racist. If they are sexist, they're going to stay sex, sexist. If they're Nazis, they're going to stay Nazis. And his theories reignited the whole nature versus nurture debate in the scientific community. But based on his data of many species, Wilson argued that all behavior from bad behavior and warfare to altruism, which would be like good deeds, on either end of the spectrum, it all had at least a beginning genetic basis. And that obviously contradicted the prevailing view of the time, and to some extent our own time, saying that cultural and environmental factors determine human behavior. There were scholars in the 1970s who um, denounced him. They had these letters in scientific journals where they would all sign off and call him an idiot and so forth and so on. At one point, he was, he was giving a lecture, and somebody came and poured a pitcher of ice over his head. He later said that the intensity of the reaction frightened him, and for a time, he gave up giving public lectures because he said, I thought my career was going up in flames because of the controversy. That his study of the ant colonies indicated that behavior, to, to some extent, was set within their genetic codes. And the science community didn't like that. Though, I will say this, here it is more than 50 years later, and it's actually come true. That other science have come along now and affirmed what he did, which is why his obituary ended up in the New York Times. But nonetheless, his, his studies showed that better behavior could not evolve just by education or new ideas, which, if you think about it, goes against uh, secular hum humanism that, that would believe that all of humanity is progressing forward to a better humanity because of evolution. And Wilson's ideas were, well, that's lovely, but it's not, be it's not shown in the animal kingdom. His discoveries ask this question. What's in our DNA? Can a person choose to be good 
can a person choose to be bad? Could a bad person choose to be good, or could a good person choose to be bad? That's story number one, an obituary. Here's story number two that you can say, how are these related? Well, hang with me. All right, so you hold that one intention. Here's another story. That this business of DNA is um, fascinating these days because at Christmas, maybe some of you got one of these, these is all the rage I read this week. All the rage at Christmas time to give these 23andMe DNA kits so people can go and figure out their family story. Do we come from Africa? Do we come from Europe? Do we come from, you know, the South Pacific? And you can figure all that out. And uh, this all seems very fascinating, except according to a BBC article entitled The Christmas Present That Could Tear Your Family Apart, sometimes the results also bring confusion and chaos. For example, hear the story of Jenny. Jenny, who is a freelance writer from Connecticut. She and some members of her family got some DNA tests. And she was quite curious. What's the test going to reveal? Is, it, is the family folklore that we come from Germany and Ireland and Scotland uh, and, and other places in Europe, is it true? And what will we learn? And so she mailed off the kit. And six weeks later, in the middle of the night, she was awake, sitting up in bed, reading her iPad with her husband, was sleeping right beside her. And the results popped up in her email. She opened up the results and discovered that she shared no DNA with her father or any of his relatives. And she only shared half her DNA with her brothers and sisters. She said, I could just feel my heart breaking. My husband is laying beside me, and I thought, oh my, I have never been so alone. A year later, she summoned up the courage to speak to her 86-year-old mother. They were sitting drinking tea, and she said, hey, Mom, you know that DNA test? It threw, it threw up some odd and weird results. She wrote this. My mother was holding a teacup. She had it up to her mouth and was about to drink, but she stopped and she looked at me and her hands started to shake. She was a Boston woman, a strong, proud Yankee. I don't think I ever saw her cry. So to watch her shaking like that was so hard. I'd really agonized about asking her. I didn't want to upset her. But I also thought, I can't let her die and not have some questions answered because I knew I'd always regret it. In her story, Jenny says, I remember that there was a businessman in the town where I grew up who was always very friendly with my mother. And I asked mom if the man was indeed my father. And I said his name, and mom's eyes got huge. She asked me how I'd worked that out, saying that she'd hoped she'd take her, that secret to her grave. Jenny's DNA was not what she expected. So you have the two stories together today, the death of Edward Wilson and the sometimes shocking results of DNA testing. They have some correlation. Wilson's studies indicated that uh, good and bad traits are inherent at least somewhere in the core of our being, 
And the DNA studies of late that people are taking indicate that regardless of who graciously raises us as a loving parent, our DNA structure cannot be changed. And so, here's the question for us today. If we are born the way we are born, what hope do we ever have in making sort of New Year's resolutions? Particularly if the resolutions are focused on change and we want new life approaches. Is there any way that we can shift? And this is where the great news of Christianity steps into play, steps into focus. See, see, here's what Christians, we believe that our experience, our spiritual walk with Jesus speaks directly to this matter because we say, can we change? Can our birth patterns, particularly the bad ones, can they be improved? Can we do life different in 2022 as compared to 2021? Can we, can we just grow up a little more? Can we just mature? Can we just be kinder or whatever the case may be? Can it be improved? Jesus says we can. Jesus said, come to me and be born again. Now, of course, he didn't mean to start all over as a human embryo, but he spoke of this absolute true spiritual reality, that in him, Jesus expects his followers to have a spiritual rebirth. And that rebirth brings about all kinds of new possibilities. It means that a lot of our hopes are all realized, and there are new life approaches, and they can all come into focus. It's a new spiritual DNA. And that has significant impact upon your life and my life this coming year. Your focus for 2022 can be different than it was in 21. There are, friends, all sorts of possibilities. Possibilities that go beyond just whether or not you gain some, lose some weight or gain some weight, or whether or not you're going to get the boxes in the basement figured out. No, they go way beyond that. See, we could have a new focal point for the coming year. And Psalm 103, what we read just a few minutes ago, has that focal point, one you could use. After all, you're like me. Given the mess of the last two years, I'm ready. I'm ready for a new life approach. We need a new focus, a new goal, a new outlook. And so would you look at Psalm 103 with me again? It says in the NIV, the NIV is what I'm reading from, Praise the Lord my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not. Don't forget all his benefits. In other words, remember all that God has done. What has he done? He forgives all your sins and heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So I want to go back today, and I want to quickly, in those five verses, Go back and just do a straight-up exegetical unpacking of all of those verses, one verse after another, and see what we can learn together as a new life focus for 2022. Verse 1, praise the Lord my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. This is the verse that got me thinking about my DNA, about your very core being. It says, in your inmost being, in my inmost being. In other words, in your gut, at the very base level of who you are, what do you hope for in 2022? What's your, what sort of rebirthed DNA do you want to have? Oh, I know we all, for our families, we want, we want better health for our families. We want joy within relationships. We want adventures in our careers. We want rest for our stresses. We, 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 we want world peace. 
I get all that. But at the basics of who you are, what do you want most? I'll answer the question for you, for me. I'll answer that, you know, at the base of who I am, in my DNA core, I want this. In my inmost being, I hope in that all I do. Like, in all, in all the ways that I live, in all the ways that I work, in all the ways that I talk, in all the ways that I lead, in all the ways that I love, I want to have this focus deep down within me. That like other Christians, I want to have this focus. We want God's name to be honored. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul, in my inmost being. I, if you're a follower of Jesus today, I'd say you should be this. You say, I want God's name to be honored in all of, not only what I do, but who I am. Verse 2 gives us some clues in how to do that. Verse 2 says, praise the Lord, my soul. And forget not his benefits. In other words, if you want to say, I want to, I want to honor God with everything I am, not just everything I do, but everything that I am, then you start by remembering all the benefits that God has given you. Apparently, this approach of saying, ah, my, my core, at the very depth of my soul, I want to worship God. I want to form my spiritual DNA there. Then you begin that formation by remembering what God has done for you. What has God done? Verse 3, God forgives all your sins and heals your diseases. And i got to tell you, friends, I'm really glad for that. I'm really glad that God's in the business of forgiving and healing because I'm aware of this. Us humans, we work on this, but sometimes we're not so good at it. I mean, I'm aware that people are not so quick to forget Forgive my misjudgments, my foibles, my errors, my downright sins. And as much as we want to strive and we say, I mean, I want to, I want to extend for grace and forgiveness to others, sometimes it's really hard. Who are we kidding? Like, when I was a teenager, uh, there was a, a young man who had some interactions with our family on a regular basis, who was a few years older than me. I think of myself as like 12, and he was 15, and when I was 15, he was 18. So he's a fellow teenager. Um, and I, the two families did a lot of things together, but I never liked this guy, being around, being around this guy, because he was mean, he was cruel to his siblings, he was mean and cruel to me, he was an intense bully. And because he was older than me, he was bigger than me. I had plenty of reasons to not like him, and I guess in those days, just to say he was cruel, but I would sit now as an adult, I would assess his actions as not only cruel, but also mean and, frankly, sinful. I inadvertently met him again a couple of years ago. I was up visiting my family. My parents live across the street from a mall. It was wintertime. I said, I'm going to go take a walk in the mall. So I'm walking in the mall, and I see this guy walking toward me. I haven't seen him in decades, right? And uh, I'm thinking, oh, okay. So in my headspace, I'm like you. I'm immediately going, okay, he was a cruel mm, when I was a kid. But we've all grown up since then. And I got to let grace cover that. And I got I to just let that be washed over and say, that was more than 40 years ago. Get over it. 
get over it and just let God be God. And you've, you've certainly grown up since then, and he probably has too. And, but, but at the same time, this is, you were such an idiot when you were young. You know, so I, I, all that stuff is racing through my brain all at the same time. And we're getting closer and closer, and I'm going, is he going to see me? He saw me. So now I'm going to have to be really kind. I have to extend forgiveness. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, you get the idea, right? Now, here's what happened. Within the first three minutes, I realized he hadn't changed one bit. <laughs> he was still cruel and mean. He really was. Despite the fact they were both significantly older. And, and so I go, well, you haven't changed much. And I've got to find now grace, not only for what you did 40 years ago, but now I've got to find grace for what you've just said now. Striving to extend forgiveness with this new clarity. My clarity was that you're still rude. And my other clarity is now I'm struggling even more to forgive you. I'm so thankful God's not like that. I'm so thankful that as I'm walking toward God, he goes, oh, God, look who's coming. Here's that Wayne Kent guy, and he's, God's saying to everybody in heaven, you know what we did with this guy before, and now here he comes again, and now we're going to go through this. I'm so glad God's not like that. I'm so glad that Scripture says he forgives all your sins. You want to have a new DNA? A new life focus for 2022, it includes remembering God's forgiveness and grace. Because God is much better at that than you and me. In fact, look at how that grace is extended to us. In verse 4, we read this God redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. If our focus for 22 in our inmost being is to praise God, and honor God at our very core, then part of that honoring includes recalling God's love and compassion. And we've experienced that love and compassion through Jesus Christ. We have what I would, I mean, what I, here's some language I like. We have an eternal grace gift, an eternal grace gift through Jesus Christ. It's set for eternity. But we also have God's compassion. And God's ca- compassion is very often most clearly demonstrated uh, in person-to-person care. I mean, when we say that God cares for us, it's lovely if God in the heaven cares for us, but it's really lovely if that care is demonstrated through somebody else toward us, right? And um, here's what comes to mind for me this week in this regard. Uh, I serve a congregation with great compassion. And um, I want to thank you for your compassion of 2021. Because God's compassion, if he's extended to, to us from heaven... And we're to remember that the way in which I've seen a lot of that compassion throughout the past year is through you. And I want to be specific uh, with a thank you in this regard today. Uh, Speaking as the head of the staff, if I may, our staff profile is larger than what most would expect in a congregation like our size. And that's because our congregation is actively involved in more community ministries than many churches of similar size. I mean, and that engagement costs money. It costs money not only in programs and material supplies, but frankly, in staff leadership costs. And we have this very intentional understanding this is what we do. And our, when you think about some of the things that we are involved in that require staff to lead, we've got our chaplaincy program and health, the healthcare settings in the city. 
We've got our adopter block outreach. We're engaged in the food drive. We're gonna show you something we got from the food drive, from WSO Food Drive this year. Just stunning, we got it a few weeks ago. You'll see it next week. And um, I work at Parsons Elementary. The huge team that takes care of meals down at Good Samaritan. Uh, the people that are involved in New Life Pregnancy Center. I mean, we have, you could say, all of that compassion which is accomplished on behalf of this church runs through dozens, not, not just dozens, not just scores, but literally hundreds of volunteers in this community. But because those things are so large, um, staff leaders, staff people lead those ministries and lead those events on your behalf. And then you come alongside with, with funding all those events and then with your volunteer care. But there's another way that your compassion is displayed, particularly to those of us who are on staff. And that is... Your pocketbooks not only support the programs and the ministries, but frankly, it provides many of us here with a paycheck. And I would be remiss if I didn't say thank you for that. That at the end of 2021, going into 22, um, God's compassion and care for me and my family and the other families, it comes through you. And there are dozens of families, literally dozens of families, uh, where we, your care has graciously provided full stomachs and a roof over our heads that's heated this time of year. And uh, families that have future plans because your generosity is rooted in God's compassion. And to that end, I want to say thank you, straight up. That's not a plan or a, uh, some backhanded way to say, keep doing it in 22. That'd be nice, but that's besides the point. Uh, it really is just thank you. Because when I think, when I read this and I see that God crowns my life with love and compassion. That's one of the ways in which God's compassion is extended to me. So thank you. It also says that that compassion is, is discovered this way in verse 5, that God satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Well, what desires has God given you in the past? Oh, I know you've got some hopes for the future. There are some things that you're praying about. There's some wishes and dreams that are still in front of you and they're not yet fulfilled. It's about things, it's about people, and it's about this, that, and the other. And you, you say, I still want to have those things accomplished, and that's great because they give you some drive. They give you some spirit to say, I'm going to figure out how to do this, and they give you a reason to get up and get after it each day in the coming year. But, may I suggest before you get up and get after it in the coming year, maybe can you look back and say, hey, God has satisfied me des my, my desires with some really good things. Could you go home today, sit in the living room, sit in your bedroom, sit in the car as you get home from work tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow night or whenever you get home, and before you go in the house, sit in the driveway for an extra three minutes or at work this week, sit at your desk or sit at your station, stand at your station on the factory floor, wherever it is, whatever it is, and just go, man, I've got some really good things. I've got some really good, I've got things I still want to get accomplished, but I do have some really good things that have come my way. And at the core of my being, I want to remember those. Before I step into whether or not the boxes of 2022 are going to get packed and thrown away or whatever, before I get to all of that. See, we started our time together 
wondering about the changeability of our individual DNA structures. And apparently, we can't shift our physical DNA, and some biology would indicate that that determines some of our behaviors. But as a follower of Christ, I've got really good news for you today. You are reborn. You are reborn. God put a new spirit within you. And if, you are, if you're a follower, then you are not tied to the patterns of the past. And in the coming year, your inmost being has already been changed through the work of Jesus Christ. And you can bless God. You can live out this psalm which says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his name. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his name. As a matter of fact, I've got a little exercise for us to do if you want to try this. So would you stand together, please? For in the East Auditorium, stand together. At home, it's weird to stand, I know. We're going to take this on, okay? So, when I was a kid growing up, I remember memorizing this uh, in the King James Version. And so you may know this. It goes, it's actually the version we read from earlier on. It says, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. And um, I'd like to see if you can say it with me and if we can learn it together. And you might even memorize this today. Yeah. So it goes like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Four things. So I, I'm not going to, I'll say it slowly, and you can repeat after me. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Say it with me. And all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Try it again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me. Praise his holy name. All right, let's try the first two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Guess what? First thing you did this year, you memorized the scripture. One more time, all together now. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise his holy name. One more time. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Man, some people told you in the past you couldn't memorize, and some people told you in the past your DNA wasn't big enough. You changed them. You proved them wrong right there. Let's pray together. Lord, we do bless you today. We thank you. We don't have all of life figured out. I know that, God. And there are things like that guy walking toward me at the mall. Ah, I don't know what to do with that. I want to extend grace. I want to learn how to do that, and that's probably another project for this year. But for today, this is what I know. I want to bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is in me, the core of my being, right down at the DNA level. I want to bless your holy name. Lord, help us to do that this year. Not from a position of uh, weirdness, but simply as followers of Christ, we're going to choose to do this. We remember all the good things you've done for us with anticipation for more to come. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. One more time. Say it with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Great job.